Hi, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to The Long Read From Stuff. This week's story is called How to Find Love by Going on a Hundred Dates. It's by Stuff's Kelly Dennett, who joins me now. Hi, Kelly. Hi. What is it about this story that interested you in the first place? Well, I am an occasional dater. <laughs> um, the story came across my desk because I curate the books page for the Sunday Star Times. So I get sent loads of books, pictures, um, and typically they're New Zealand um, books written by New Zealanders. But this one was written by a Swedish psychologist. Um, but the title of the book really grabbed me. Um, and I thought the topic seemed pretty universal. I thought our readers would probably be interested in what she'd written about. So, yeah. So of all the things you read in it, what was it that most interested you? I think um, a lot of the dating advice in the book was pretty pragmatic stuff that you would think of anyway. I think in my discussion with her over the phone, what surprised me the most was actually how much she seemed to have enjoyed most of the 100 dates that she went on. I think I was kind of hoping that she would have heaps of horror stories and kind of might even be like slightly traumatised, but she um, sort of treated it like a job, which I guess it was because she was doing research. But she described herself as a real extrovert who enjoyed meeting people anyway. So she did have a few horror stories, which are in the story that I wrote in the article. But um, most of all, she sort of, yeah, seemed to have really enjoyed the experience. I did really love what she said um, about how she actually ended up meeting a match, which was not on any of the dating apps, which is the irony of it all. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear it's a bit encouraging. And as an occasional dater yourself, have you had any horror stories? I have so many horror stories that we probably wouldn't have time <laughs> to listen to all of them. I think the one that um, comes immediately to mind was a date that actually went on a couple of years ago and I'd gone to a bar and met someone in Wellington and I'd ended up having an argument with the bartender because he refused to serve me anything that was non-alcoholic and I went into a bit of journalist mode um, and my poor date was just sort of looking between us and going, oh, my goodness. And it was incredibly awkward afterwards. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kelly. Now, here's Laura Heathcote reading Kelly's story. In 100 Dates, there was just one near disaster. I used to book dates at the same place, Dr. Angela Ahola explains over the phone. A hotel with a nice lobby and restaurant. Some days, especially Mondays, I had two dates back to back. I have two children, so I tried to squeeze in as much as possible when they were at their father's house. Anyway, date two arrived as I was saying goodbye to date one, she explains. That was kind of embarrassing, she says. I had to walk out past him with the first date, bachelor number one. I was just hoping he wouldn't notice I'd just left. I had to sneak into the bathroom to change my sweater to make it look like I was someone else. And let's not forget seeing boyfriends of people she knew on dating apps, or the bachelor who as good as invoiced a holer for half their date the following day. That was a bit funny, she says diplomatically, given he'd suggested the restaurant. If I mention it to my girlfriends, they are really wide-eyed. How could he do that? I was like, oh my God. 
As anyone who's ever dipped a toe into the dating pool will know, meeting strangers in an effort to spark romance usually winds up with you sans soulmate, perhaps feeling worse than before, but most certainly with a one-for-the-book story to tell friends later. But it was precisely those stories Ahola was collecting. She's just published 100 Dates, the psychologist who kissed 100 frogs so you don't have to. A kind of self-help book for those exasperated or mystified by the dating world. The tagline is that this was a dating experiment to learn as much about what makes a successful encounter as what doesn't. After Ahola's marriage ended suddenly and she was new to dating, she realised her work as a psychologist was spilling over into her personal life. Because dating is psychological. It involves unspoken rules, experimentation, guesswork, and more than a dollop of emotional intelligence. For example, how do you write a winning dating profile that sounds confident but not smug? And does the three-day text rule still exist in a world marked by instantaneous communication? And that's before we even come to picking the right matches or going on a single date. Ahola, who is Swedish, says, In Sweden, we sometimes call it the dating jungle, because it really is. She goes on, There is so much psychology, it's really easy to steer in the wrong direction. It's tricky to know how to do it and how people perceive us. And that's what it's all about. If we're sending the wrong vibe, the wrong signal, we won't attract love. No pressure, singles. While the introduction of dating apps means people can meet potential matches more easily than ever before, the administration and thought work that goes into curating an engaging profile and responding to messages has become a second job for wannabe daters, who are typically millennials, at least on the apps. The burden is apparently so great, the New York Times has reported US services will now text matches for you, or advise you how to text, as users reported feeling burned out, depleted and cynical from app-based matching and dating. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, 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 I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Tinder claims itself as the most popular dating app in the world, though it refused to release its New Zealand numbers. It's been downloaded a whopping 530 million times, landing 1.5 million dates a week and leading to 75 billion matches. Bearing in mind a match is as simple as two people swiping right on each other's profile, agreeing to be contactable. The apps can be so crucial to finding love that it's where Ahola starts first when asked for her best advice for finding a match. She says it's common for people to have not put too much thought into their profile, including their picture selection and what it says about themselves. Some people have this copy-paste approach, writing something very impersonal, short and quick, she says. 
This doesn't usually encourage others to pluck up a conversation, and she suggests getting a trusted friend to review your profile or commit to freshening it up every so often. Choice overload is also very real, she says, which genuinely does make dating life trickier. She tells us, the more choices we have, the pickier we are. The dating apps are giving us the possibility to meet a lot more people who we wouldn't otherwise have met, but the flip side is we end up not giving people a chance, Ahola explains, saying avoiding red flags and looking for green flags is important. But when the pickiness is based on the wrong stuff, like how people look in their dating picture, we might be missing a really wonderful person. Women don't judge men by their height, she says. Men avoid using negative words like crazy in your bio. Everyone avoid bold statements like swipe left if you're a cat person, I hate cats. Don't be afraid to ask someone out, Ahola says suggesting meeting up quickly and perhaps with a line like, it seems like we have a lot to talk about. It would be nice to continue in real life. Struck up a good conversation with a potential match and you're about to meet them in person? Ahola says this is even trickier. Presenting the best version of yourself while also trying to connect with someone meaningfully is a balancing act. She says one mode of connection is intellectual. Having stuff to talk about, thinking approximately alike, having the same values more or less, because attraction will increase if we see ourselves as more or less alike. She goes on to say, then we have the other dimension, an emotional connection. That's being able to be vulnerable and authentic, being present in the moment. That's very attractive. Research shows if we can be here and now, that's a very powerful thing. But wait, there's a third dimension, she reveals, which is the flirty chemistry attraction part. Friend zoning dates too soon is a common problem with people who don't know how to get into a different mode, says Ahola. She blames this on rushing through our lives, leaning too heavily into conversation that centres around really general things like ticking off what gym they go to or getting into work chat. She explains, we want to make an impression and for the other person to like us, but sometimes we forget to connect on these other levels. The performing me, the, the one trying to impress, we should leave that a little bit and instead of impressing, think more connecting on this deeper level. Her number one piece of advice, she says, the number one first thing I hope everyone really thinks about is, what are we looking for? Some people are looking for short-term relationships, more physical encounters. Other people are looking for love. It's about attracting the category we want to attract. While 100 dates would seem daunting to most people, and Ahola does liken it to having a second job. She calls herself an extrovert who was happy to just meet new people. She set the target after realising she'd hit 76 or so dates. She figured if somebody really wonderful kept not appearing in her vision, she might as well keep going to 100 and then some. And as it turned out, 
Maybe the major lesson from Ahola is that you don't have to turn to internet dating to meet your next partner. Listeners, she met a man on an aeroplane. She was flying for a speaking assignment between Stockholm and Copenhagen. He was going on holiday. She had a heavy bag, and he was the friendly person who asked if she needed help. That was a year ago. She says, I was very happy to delete Tinder. That was How to Find Love by Going on a Hundred Dates on the long read from Stuff. It was written by Kelly Dennett, read by Laura Heathcote and produced by Jono Williams. This episode was edited by John Ropiha. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast that's available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. Kakite anō. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.